sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. So, uh, if you were here last Sunday, which I wasn't, um, I was out playing football in, uh, in Budapest for my company. You would have um, heard the first part of uh, Ezekiel, which we're looking at today. And the um, um, first part of Ezekiel um, is the time up till um, uh, the uh, Jerusalem's destruction and temple's destruction. And it was uh, Israel was basically a defeated nation, right? And um, crushed military, people separated from one another, exiled into Babylon, and um, really suffered the consequences of the uh, abandonment uh, of the Lord. So they were, you know, exhausted, they were discouraged, um, they were impoverished, and um, you could say Israel was almost as good as dead. Now, the second part of Ezekiel, which I'm going to talk about today, um, is the, the upside of that, because God had another plan for Israel. And um, he had um, something prepared for Israel, which they could never have imagined. In fact, I think many of them um, didn't, didn't uh, know the word of God, and they didn't know that one day God, would pro God had promised them that one day they would be brought back together again as one nation. So I think in our passage today, which will be on uh, Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14, uh, we will see God's saving power, um, but also the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. So if you brought your Bibles, you can, uh, you can look up in Ezekiel 37, verses 1, uh, where we'll start. And in this, um, this vision that Ezekiel is getting, um, we see uh, the Spirit empowering dead, dry bones, giving them life and animation. And um, this, this uh, abundant life was also Paul's testimony, and he realized that he was unable to live the life of a believer, uh, except by the Spirit of God. And this is also why I want to preach on this today. Uh, it's it's for important for us to know as well that if we want to live the life of a Christian, we can only do so by the Spirit, not by ourselves. So this is a message of hope and a message of revival through the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. And I think it's uh, more relevant today than any day uh, in the past where we as Christians, we need revival and we are being more and more um, marginalized, I think, in society and we need to come back to our God who is an all-powerful and all-knowing God. So, um, shall we pray on that? Heavenly Father, I, uh, I uh, just um, pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, me today and that um, this message would be a message that would be uh, relevant for us and that it would touch the hearts uh, of many uh, among us here today. So, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, use me as a vessel and um, that we would hear only you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I, I want to start with a question, and I want to start asking you if you have experienced a hopeless situation in your lives. Was there a time in your life where you just thought, I might as well give up? Is that time now in your life? For myself, 
I want to tell you a little bit about myself and my background. Uh, I can certainly say that I did feel that there were hopeless times in my life. I grew up uh, in an atheist family. Um, in, I'm a single child. Grew up, I have a French mother and a Danish father, um, but atheist family and very much um, taught from a young age that we came from nothing and we become nothing in the end. Um, as, a, as a child growing up, uh, I, was, I have to say I was probably very um, spoiled. I um, was a little bit of a bully towards my, my uh, friends and those that were not my friends. Um, and I think pretty much when I look back, the, I, I had the world centering around me um, uh, a lot. Um, as, I, as I grew up um, and I became a late, late teen, uh, I traveled. I uh, went to France. I studied for a year, uh, but I was still on the wild side. And my perspective on the world was very much still one that, uh, you know, you, you are here by accident and let's just take and make the most of it for myself, right? Um, and I was pretty much trying out everything the world has to offer. I think I haven't said too much that way. So um, I uh, got a degree from Copenhagen uh, Business School and I uh, went to Malaysia. And uh, still at this point, there wasn't any uh, one in my life that had served as a spiritual role model or a, a Christian role model. And I think this speaks to God's power as well, in that I think God picks us. And I think the Bible also is quite clear on that. Um, he picked me, and uh, he started to change my heart as I was traveling, and I started asking questions about why we are, and not accepting anymore the, the definition that we just um, become nothing in the end. So, um, thanks to my wife, I was introduced to Christ, and uh, it was through a series of prayers and teachings and going to church and resisting God and saying no and then saying yes again, and, and just praying, I think that God finally uh, made, made it through my walls, because they were my walls, they weren't his. And um, I accepted Christ when I was in Malaysia, but I was still very much a new Christian, and I can, say, I can also say that when I came back to, to Copenhagen, um, it was back in 2003, but Jenny came in 2004 and we joined FIBC, I was very much still a, 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 a speaking and growing uh, young Christian. So um, I think that is an interesting uh, testimony. I, I hope this will also kind of speak to you that, you know, uh, God is choosing us and it's a wonderful gift that he does that because there was absolutely nothing in my upbringing that made me come to Christ as far as I see it. So I got married, uh, and I found FIBC, thanks to God. And I think if we look back at the Beatitudes as well, that was preached by Gene, uh, ever since kind of my life has been uh, a degree in between, you know, uh, the, the extremes of the Beatitudes. So um, anything from, uh, you know, pride and uh, going on my own agenda to being a peacemaker. And I think the Christian journey is that way as well. So I still struggle today, um, and one of my biggest challenges and where I'm sometimes hopeless a little bit is in terms of my parents, because my, uh, especially my father is still a very stern atheist, and it plays out in our family reunions, it plays out in pretty much everyday life where he will, um, he, he will be a kind of a, 
you know, uh, yeah, how should I say? He, he will try to wake me up in a way and say, you've been brainwashed. So um, I'm still somewhat struggling with hoping that God will also speak to his heart and also to the heart of my mom as well. So I've also uh, struggled with this hopelessness. And Ezekiel the prophet, he did as well. He wanted to see revival in the land, but the Israelites refused to repent and live for the Lord. And I think his ministry seemed for no good purpose. So God let lets Ezekiel know that one day there would be revival in the land. So this message of future revival conveyed the hope and encouragement they all needed. So the chapters before our text, before 37, uh, have announced a future revival and restoration under the new covenant. Now the glorious hope of the resurrection of the Lord's people to new life is presented to Ezekiel. And the aim of the vision, when it was originally given, to counteract the despair and pessimism which laid hold of Ezekiel and, and Israel after captivity and the fall of Jerusalem. For some people today, it's a message of political revival of a nation. For others, it's a scene uh, of the general resurrection of the dead on the last day. <clears throat> For us today, I think it's a message of hope, no matter how hopeless the situation might be. Um, we, we have a, go a God who restores life. We have a God that can even make dry bones live again. So if you've brought your Bible with me, and I think uh, we will also see up here on the screen, you can follow with me in the chapters 1 through 14. So if we start with verse 1, Ezekiel begins to report on a spiritual experience where God's Spirit placed him in a valley of dry bones. And it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. So the hand of the Lord was uh, upon, uh, well, sorry, the hand of the Lord was upon me is Ezekiel's usual expression for a supernatural visionary experience. And so it, it, it indicates a powerful prophetic awake, awakening and inspiration. He was transported by the Spirit of the Lord into the middle of a valley filled with human bones. And they were dried, they were bleached, decayed, scattered, and all about the prophet were dead bones and the total absence of life. I think this represents the spiritual death of God's people, Israel, um, that lead to the death of the nation. So God caused then Ezekiel to inspect the bones in verse 2. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, they were very many, uh, there were many, uh, very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. So God led Ezekiel on a tour around the bones that he might have a clearer view of them and see whether there was any life in them or not. He's taken aback at the number of bones lying on the surface of the valley and characterizes them as very dry, indicating that they had been dead for a long time. So any human suggestion that these bones might come alive again is just unthinkable. So to me personally, when I see this, I think of my parents' faith. They are dry bones. And sometimes I doubt whether these can be revived again. So I'm asking you as well today, what are your dry bones in your lives? What situations do you have that, you see, that seem hopeless to you? 
But so to man, situations might seem hopeless, but to God, everything is possible. So God then asked the prophet a surprising question in verse 3. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. So as Ezekiel surveyed the scene in the valley in order to emphasize the total void of life apart from God, the Lord asked Ezekiel the question, can these bones live? The prophet's answer was restrained and filled with the awareness of human helplessness in the face of death. Now this time here, we have to remember that Ezekiel's beloved wife had been taken from him. Just in, if you look back in chapter 24. And the loss was still pounding in his heart. But he also had respect for God's power. So was there any potential for life in these uh, lifeless bones? Ezekiel knew that, humanly speaking, it was impossible. And his answer reveals that it would require a power beyond man's to bring about life. So it wasn't a positive or a negative response. He knew that if these bones could live again, it was only if God wanted them to live. Most Israelites may have doubted God's promise of restoration. Their present condition militated against the possibility of it being fulfilled. So God stressed the fact of his sovereign power and ability to carry out these remarkable promises. Their fulfillment depended on God and not on circumstances. So Ezekiel knew that it was impossible for humans, for human power to revive the bones. And I think as we come into contact with individuals today, we find it most discouraging to try to bring them to a saving knowledge of Messiah, our Lord Jesus. So utterly dead are they to the great truths of Scripture that it's only when the Spirit of God moves upon them that they can grasp God's truth. I've come to this conclusion in regard to my parents, especially my father, who's convinced that I've, you know, been brainwashed and he's trying to, his best to, to wake me up by teasing me or sometimes writing emails of concern. And I think it will only be by the Spirit of God that he will be saved. So do you have someone in your life that you fear has closed his heart to God or has not enabled to him for, for um, him to come into their lives? The question is, I think, for, for this passage as well is, can they have spiritual life? Or can they be revived? Only God knows. And only God can accomplish the feat. So if we turn to, to verse 4, God directs Ezekiel to prophecy to the dry, lifeless bones. It says, Again he said to me, Prophecy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So God speaks to Ezekiel again and tells him to prophesy over the bones. I think Ezekiel must have felt many times in his ministry that he was preaching to the dead, but never so much as now he actually was. The difference here is that unlike his preaching in Israel and to, to the exiles, these bones would, res would respond to the word of the Lord. Prophecy actually means preach the word in Hebrew. So he was told by God to address the bones and tell them to hear the word of the Lord. It is more than emphatic that the way of affecting God's purpose concerning these dry bones is the word of the Lord. If you see John chapter 6, verses 63, it says, The Spirit 
gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit. So God's word is the means by which he raises to life and consecrates to service. In verse 5, the other part of the formula for restoration of life to the dry bones is revealed. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. The word of the Lord was a promise to cause breath to enter into them that they might come to life. Breath, wind, and spirit, they are the, the same renderings of the Hebrew word ruah, which kind of, you decide whether it means one or the other by the context. So in, in chapter 37, verse 14, the same word is translated to spirit. This act of breathing the, the breath of life into a man reminds us of the creation of man in Genesis, chapter 2. In creating man, God transformed Adam into a living being by breathing into his nostrils, the breath of life. So whether God was referring to wind or physical breath or the, 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 the Holy Spirit is uncertain, but the intent is obvious. God's Spirit was going to create life in these bones. So the dry bones represented people's spiritually dead condition. Maybe people you know at church or your colleagues or uh, at work or your classmates at school, or maybe someone in your family may seem like a dry heap of bones to you, spiritually dead with no hope. But just as God here promised to restore his nation, he can restore any nation, church or person, no matter how dry or dead it may be. So rather than give up, let's pray for renewal, for God can restore it to life. So receiving the word of, the, of God that precedes the reception of life, breath through breath, wind, spirit, the bones would begin the reversal process towards life as verse 6 states. And it says, I will put sinews, is it? Said? Sinews, thank you, which is ligaments, on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive. And you will know that I am the Lord. So God will clothe the bones with sinews, flesh and skin, and put his spirit or breath in them. It was spirit or breath that would animate them and give them life. So when the life-giving word goes forth in the energy of the Holy Spirit, even dry dead bones will be revived and know that the Lord has spoken. Verse 7 records the, un 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 the remarkable results of Ezekiel's life-giving prophecy. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied as I promised, prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. So I think for an unbeliever, prophesying over dry bones is probably sounding pretty crazy. Ezekiel obeyed without comment or doubt. The results of the word of God were startling. While Ezekiel was preaching, a rumbling or shaking started all over the valley. In the midst of the shaking and thundering, the bones began to approach one another. It was as though they were being guided by intelligent design. The bone came, bones came together in exactly the proportion in the right way to form normal human bodies or skeletons. 
So, but although they had been put together, they weren't alive yet. In verse 8, the rejoined bone began to be fleshed out. It says, And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So as Ezekiel prophecies, the bone came, bones came together. The prophet then looked and beheld that the bones had been, become skeletons, were, were uh, fitted with sinews and muscles and clothed with skin. They looked marvelous with their skeletal appearance gone, but they were still dead. There was no breath. So although the bones came together, Ezekiel wisely didn't mistake commotion for regeneration. So even today, the flesh can generate activity, but true revival requires the spirit. In verse 9, Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the breath or the wind or the spirit to inhabit the dead bones. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may come to life. So the prophet is asked to breathe, to, to, uh, to prophesy to the breath of life, which gives and sustains life of all creation. It was God's spirit or wind or breath that was able to give life to the corpses. And notice that the four winds come from four directions. The, the winds are from four directions, north, south, east, west. The reference to the breath or the wind or the spirit that is coming from the four winds alludes to God's universal sovereignty. He wasn't just the God of Israel, a one nation. He was the God of everyone on earth. So filled with God's ruah, the bones can now come to life in verse 10, which says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. So step by step, as Ezekiel preached, as God commanded, this massive graveyard of lifeless bones became to life, uh, came to life because of the breath of the divine spirit came into them. The very dramatic change from death to life. God takes and turns a valley of dry bones into a living army. Such is the boundless power of the Word and the Spirit of the living God we serve. Romans chapter 8, verse 10 declares that the Spirit is life. Such life is what God wants to bring about in His church today. He wants to breathe His divine Spirit into our lives and turn His church into a living army that will go out and bring the victory of Christ into the world. A church that will receive the Lord's power in order to go out in power can set the captive free, bind up the brokenhearted, and lift up the downtrodden. Verse 11 relays that the bones that come to life are figurative of the resurrection of God's people, the nation Israel. It says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. And our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. God interpreted the vision for, Ez for Ezekiel. The vision was God's response to the people's sin and hopeless condition. 
there will come a time when they will see their destitute condition and confess that our bones have dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. These bones are that wise up the whole house of Israel, meaning both the northern part of Israel and the southern kingdoms. Yes, these bones can live, but unrepentant Israel was impotent to make it so. Only God could do so. And he would do so based on the new covenant principles, the promises made in chapters 33 to 36. So since we are on the subject, let's read God's promise on a new covenant in Ezekiel 36, verse 25 through 28. And I think it will come on the screen as well, if you have it. No? Otherwise, take your Bibles and look in Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 28. It says... Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers, so you will be my people, and I will be your God. This is God's new promise of the new covenant. So sin inbred in the heart of man had brought about the death of a nation of Israel. But there is hope for the hopeless. For God, who gives life, can, through his new covenant, produce both physical and spiritual life to those who are physical or spiritually dead. I don't know about you, but have you felt in, um, have you ever felt like the whole, your whole world is caving in on you and there's absolutely no hope? Maybe your troubles seem to mount up insurmountably. You don't know your way out. There is good news. In Christ, there is hope for the hopeless. In verse 12, God promises to bring his people back from the dead into the land of the living. Go to verse 12. It says, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. So as a result of their confession and their hopeless condition that their sin cut, cut them off from God, God is now ready to move on their behalf. He's ready to restore life to a nation that is dead in their trespass and sin. The opening of graves also calls, for, uh, calls attention to belief in life after death and in the resurrection of the dead. To the original reader, I think this resurrection meant the nation of Israel. To us today, we can see the general resurrection of all mankind, as well as the resurrection as, uh, of Israel as a nation. But it also speaks to the restoration of, to life. Just as it seems impossible to bring life to those, to those uh, dead, it seems impossible to bring spiritual life into a person, a church, or a nation. Remember, God delights in doing the impossible. For with God, all things are possible. Matthew 19. So when the seemingly impossible happens in verse 13, uh, as verse 13 records, we will know that God did it. And 
This is how many times the prophecies in Ezekiel will end. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come out of your graves, my people. What a marvelous encouragement was this message of restoration to life. It encouraged both Ezekiel and the people in exile. Even if, if the prophet remained faithful to his call and proclaimed the word of God, the ultimate consequence would be a life-transforming experience that would result in a national resurrection. There is no finer illustration of the life-changing power of the preached word than what the prophet saw in his vision. The gospel has the power to transform those who are dead in trespasses and sins and make them new, living creatures in Christ. God has always used the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. As Romans chapter 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The grave here is symbolic of the life in exile or, or, or life in the flesh. When the people are brought again into covenant relationship, they will have a new life. God's continuation of his plan for Israel is based on his faithfulness and his grace. Without God's presence, the nation of Israel was virtually dead. However, God promises to open those walking tombs by reanimating them with the divine spirit. Verse 14 promises the repentant regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at it. And I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life. And I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that the Lord, that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. So it's now clear that the breath of life, the corpses received, symbolized the Holy Spirit, promised in Israel's new covenant. The work of regener regeneration is the work of God's spirit. What an incredible life-giving capacity of God to a people whose lives seem to be over and the declaration of new life is given. Not only do we see in this passage the saving power of God's Spirit, but also the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit empowered the dead dry bones and gave them life and animation. This abundant life was also Paul's testimony. He realized that he was unable to live the life of a believer, faithful to the commands of God, uh, commands of God on his own. He needed the enabling power of the Holy uh, God Spirit. If you look at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. And so do you if you're going to live the Christian life. It was the Word of God and the Spirit of God that made it all possible. And this is still true for us today. So in closing... What a tremendous promise to the whole house of Israel, but nothing is guaranteed for time or eternity to Jews or Gentiles apart from a simple faith in the atoning death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can the bones live? Can the dead bones live? By the power of the Holy Spirit and any who are dead in trespasses and sin can live through faith in the life-giving one. The valley of dry bones symbolizes the human race as a whole, exiled from God, their creator, and dead in their trespasses and sin. The proclamation of the prophetic word can represent the proclamation of the gospel that will give man the breath of new life. To those cut off from God 
who have no hope, we have the word of hope through belief in Jesus. See, God demonstrates his love for us that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Nothing that we have done on our own qualifies us more than another for the saving grace of God. It's of no advantage to a person who feels they have lived more righteously than another if they are without faith in Christ. The Bible is explicit in telling us that separate from being reborn in Christ, there is no one who does good, not even one. Romans 3, verse 12. But the good news is that God wishes to show his immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. And by grace, God saves the wicked through their faith. This faith is not anyone's own doing, but it's the gift of God. You see, in sending Christ to die on the cross, God made him who knew no sin become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is how Christ brings reconciliation with God to the Father. By your faith in the Lord, you can be forgiven. God will put in you a new heart and give you a fresh start to live in right standing with him. You only need to repent and believe in Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So is this your experience today? Were you dead in trespasses and sin when you cried out to God about being cut off from him and eternal, uh, an eternal life and asked for a new life in Jesus' name? Were you raised up by the, by, um, to new life by the power of the resurrection? Has God ever breathed new life into your dry spiritual existence? If not, I think there is no better time than now. Will you come as the Spirit breathes His words of promise, uh, breathe, breathe His word and promise new life to you? Maybe you think your family or the people around you are dry bones who will never be able to live. But as he did to Ezekiel, the Lord will say to you, prophecy to them. As often as you can, share a verse with those who seem dead. If you think that seems silly, think of Ezekiel and be glad you don't have to prophesy to bones. My word shall not return unto me void, the Lord declares in Isaiah 55, verse 11. In other words, it will never fail to make an impact if you share a verse with someone. If you do not have a relationship with God, this prayer that I will close with now is for you. And let's bow our heads together. Dear Lord, I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross to take the punishment that I deserve for my sins and that you were raised from the dead. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and, li and life as my Savior and Lord. From this day forward, Lord, please be glorified in and through me. Thank you for your amazing grace. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.